The following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. If you have your Bibles, would you open up to Micah chapter 6, verse 8. The title of my message this morning is The Men's Challenge. The Men's Challenge. You know, I can remember when I was given the news back in 1981 that I was going to be a father. I was 22 years of age. And so I can still remember, we went to this clinic, this, uh, and, uh, and, and the lady, the nurse comes out and uh, with a really depressed looking face. And she says, um, I'm sorry to tell you, but it looks like your wife is pregnant. And I said, sorry, this is the best news that I've heard. I I couldn't believe that someone would apologize for the prospects of Steve and Luke Giuliano being born. And uh, But you know what? We, we, we said, hey, listen, we want this baby. We're excited about it. We're uh, very excited about it. And then the whole weight of responsibility fell on me. And it was like this, oh, I'm going to be a father. I hope I'm going to be a good father. I, I'm, I'm pretty young being a father. But I want to be the best father possible. And... Um, and it wasn't too long afterwards that Stephen was born. And what a joy it was to see our firstborn son come into the world. Do you know, we've had three children and every single one of them for us was so special, just incredibly special. And, uh, and I, I just remember just how delightful it was to hold this little baby in your hands and think, think to yourself, Wow, I'm responsible for this little human being. I'm responsible for his well-being. And, uh, and so one of the joys of being a father, and this is just awesome, is that you love to make your kids laugh. Any dads, can you, can you identify with that? And so that's where dad jokes come in. We just love to make our kids laugh. And, uh, and so I, I, I can remember that... I can remember how, how I used to make Stephen laugh before he understood dad jokes, is that I'd get him and I'd and I throw him into the air. And he'd go, <gasps> and then when I'd catch him, he'd go, <laughs> he'd laugh, just out of relief, I think. And it was just so wonderful to, to hear the laughter. And so I'd pick him up and I'd throw him into the air, and then he'd go, <gasps> and then I'd catch him and he'd go, <laughs> And I, and I got so excited about this. I said, hey, Ann, come in and, and have a listen to this. And, and then I got so excited, I threw him a little bit too hard and he, his head smashed into the ceiling. He goes, kaboom! And so I'm waiting on it. After about five seconds, he came and into my, well, Anne hit the roof. You were never touching that kid ever again. You could have given him brain damage. We just knocked a bit of sense into him, that's all. How many of you know there's a huge difference between the way dads do life and the way mums do life? Huh? But let me tell you, when my little girl came along, 
I just treated her so differently. So, so when Christelle came along, she was never smashed into the ceiling. <laughs> she was a little princess. And I can still remember the day she was born. Because uh, we, we already had two boys and we loved the boys. And I was happy to have three boys. I was happy to have four, five, whatever. But we settled on three. And so everybody's saying, oh, it's going to be a boy. It's going to be. And so Anne was preparing herself for a boy. But then when the girl came out, I tell you, it was one of the greatest days of, oh, I got my girl. And what a joy it was for me to present to my wife, her little daughter, and uh, just be able to take those first few moments of life, just holding them and blessing them and, and just speaking into their lives. What a privilege, what a privilege it is to be a dad. Because with the mother, the child is actually inside the mother and the introduction to the mother is within the womb. But with the father, you actually introduce yourself to the child and you get to hold them and you say, hey, I'm your dad. I'm going to be spending the rest of my life nurturing and looking after you and making sure that you have the best life possible because that's my responsibility as a dad. And they were the first words that my kids heard from me. Welcome into this world. I've been waiting for you. Why is that? Because I was taught how to be a good dad. What's sad is that not every male is taught to be a good dad. But this morning, I'm going to teach you just some principles on being a good dad. Is that okay? Are you ready for this? So, so expect everybody say expectations. Expectations are so important in life. What, why are they important in life? Because the way we do life with people is based on meeting expectations. So the fact is, You've got expectations of me as your pastor. My wife has expectations from me as her husband. Society has expectations of me. Your boss has expectations of you. And if you understand what the expectations are and you meet those expectations, everything is cool. But if you don't understand what the expectations are and consequently you don't meet the expectations, that's when trouble starts. And so if, if you're in a, a relationship with someone, it's so important to articulate expectations. What do you expect from the relationship? Because some things are silent expectations. So if you're in a relationship with somebody, you expect loyalty from them. If they're going to betray you, then something is broken. Why? Because an important expectation of the relationship, which is loyalty, has been broken. And when something, when an expectation that's so important is broken, disappointment comes in and there's room for separation. So relationships never break down when expectations are met. Relationships always break down when expectations are not met. 
You've got to understand that. Because if you're going through a relationship difficulty, I can prophesy and tell you where the difficulty lies. It lies in unmet expectations. So the big question is this. What does society expect of me? What does my job expect of me? What does my family expect of me? What does my wife expect of me? What do my children expect? What does my brother expect of me? What do my friends expect? What, what are the expectations? But the most important expectation is, what does God expect from me? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because I've got a scripture that will tell you what God expects from you. And the challenge is, can you meet the expectations. So here it is, Micah chapter 6, verse 8. This is what it says. It says, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, expect of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. God's expectations of you, to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. Let's all say it together. To do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. So let's talk about the first one, to do justly. So what does it mean to do justly? It's very simple. It's about doing the right thing. To do the right thing, as opposed to doing the selfish thing. Because we have a tendency in life to do the selfish thing rather than the right thing. How many of you know that sometimes the right thing is the selfless thing, not the selfish thing? And, and so if you really want to know what is right living, here it is in the Bible. So this book is our guide to living life justly, to living life right. So if you want to know what this is, if you want to know what God expects from you and what the right thing is, get the Word of God into you. Now, this morning, I'm going to do you a favor. And what's that? I'm going to summarize the Bible for you in just three phrases. Are you ready for that? Now, you can either go and read it from cover to cover, or you can write down the summary. So I'm happy for you to read it from cover to cover, but I'm also happy for you... (laughs) I'm also happy for you to just write down this summary because I'm going to summarize the Bible very quickly for you. Here it is. The whole Bible summarized. Love God. Love people. And do unto others as you would have them do to you. Simple. Love God. Love people. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. And if you live by those principles, then you will live justly. You will live justly. To love God means to pursue after God and to obey God with all of your heart. To love people is where you think of others before yourself. And then to do unto others as you would have them to do to you is where every action of yours gets analyzed through this filter of how would I like it happening to me? And if you say, well, I wouldn't want that happening to me, then don't do it to others. This question was posed to the father of Playboy magazine, Hugh Hefner. He was doing an interview. And the interviewer, this is many, many years ago, the interviewer said to him, so you've got a daughter, Mr. Hefner? Yes, I do. 
So when is she going to hit the centerfold? And this is where Hugh Hefner does a double take. And so he changes. You know, you know how people do a double take? They've got the legs crossed and then all of a sudden they scratch the back of their head and they cross legs on the other side and it's like, I don't like this question. And so he stops, he pauses and he says, that's one part of my philosophy I haven't come to grips with yet. I don't want my daughter to appear on my centerfold. So he was happy to do to other men's daughters what he wasn't happy for him to do to his own daughter. And so that just, the whole thing breaks down. See, do to others as you would have them do to you. So you put it through the filter. Would I like this to happen to me? No, I wouldn't. Well, let me not do it to others. So, so basically, it gives you a fantastic filter to do life. And so if you can do it that way, you will do justly. Second thing that's so important is that we love mercy. To love mercy is to love kindness. That word mercy is translated kindness, graciousness, forgiveness. So to do justly is all about your actions, the way that you go through life, the actions of life. To love mercy is the spirit that you put onto your actions. How many of you have got children? How many of you have got children? How many of you give your children's chores to do? You give them chores. To, you've got children and you give them chores to do. How many of you have children that do their chores immediately with a great attitude? How many of you have got children like that? Maya. You're so sweet and beautiful. Can I tell you how to give your parents a heart attack? Next time mum asks you to do something, you stand up and say, yes, mum, straight away. And you'll see your mum fall on the floor. Then you'll have to give a mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. <laughs> she says, well, I'm not going to do it then, am I? <laughs> see, it's one thing to do. It's another thing to do with the right attitude. So to do with the right attitude brings a whole dimension of sweetness into a relationship. There's just something beautiful. And you know what happened today with a lot of you? Your children came and served you and they did it with the right attitude and that just made it all worthwhile. Just when they do it with the right attitude, rather Father's Day, I just been Father's Day. Gotta give him a present. Here you go, yeah, take that. That's it just takes all the joy out of it. They've done it, but they've done it with a bad attitude. And so can I say to you that, that to love mercy, to love kindness, is about your attitude to life. It's about your attitude to the people around you. So I, I, I've learned that the best way to stop Anne nagging me is to respond with a sweet attitude. See, see, I've worked out now. I mean, I'm 55 years of age. It's taken me many, many years to work it out. Many mistakes, many bruises, many trials and tribulations. But now wisdom has come my way finally. And I want to impart it to you that when your wife has her mind set on something, 
It's going to happen sooner or later, baby. How many of you men have learned that? Have you learned that? So you can either let it happen quickly and get it over and done with, or you can just prolong the agony. Someone said, I heard you the first time. You don't have to remind me every six months. <laughs> so what happens now is rather than... So Anne, the, Anne doesn't nag anymore. How many of you... She stopped nagging. Seriously, it's, there's no nagging. Anne is not a nagging wife anymore. Why? Because I found the answer. As soon as Anne says, John... Will you empty the garbage bin? Yes, sweetheart, straight away. Bang, 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 done. (laughs) Done. No nagging wife. It's over. And I get all these brownie points. I'm telling you. It goes ding, 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 ding. And not just one, you get heaps. It's, a, it's about doing life with a good attitude. And I thought, I wish I'd learned this ages ago. I wish I'd learned this ages ago. Because it's so dreadful to do something eventually and realize I could have done it a long time ago with a better attitude and accomplished a lot more and still having to do it, but with a bad attitude and missing out on all the brownie points in the meantime. So that's what mercy is all about. Mercy is just changing attitude. Mercy is, is, is about being a gentleman and learning that there are gentlemen and there are angry men in life and making a choice that you're going to be a gentle person. And a gentle person is someone that puts others first. See, a gentle person is someone that's learnt manners, Manners is something that's sort of become old-fashioned. I was going home the other day and I turned on one of the talkback radio shows. And uh, one of the talkback hosts was talking about his wife being pregnant. And she has to catch the train home. And this is what he was saying. He was saying that not once in a pregnancy has anyone stood up and given their seat to the pregnant lady. And I thought, that's just terrible. That's just not once. He reckons not once. It's not happened once. And I thought, well, what's, what's happened to manners? What's happened to this whole idea of, you know, if that was my wife, I'd give her, you know, I wouldn't want her to stand. I'd, I'd do it for her. If that was me, pregnant, I, I, I'd give up my seat. Just this whole attitude of, of, do for others what you'd have them do for you. It's just so important in life. And, and if you're a parent, one of the greatest things that you can do is to teach manners to your children so that you can send them anywhere and be proud of them because they're well-mannered. They, they, they speak to adults using Mr. and Mrs. terms like that. We were trained like that. We just don't use first. We, we never used first name. We called them, if they were really close relatives, uncle and auntie. And you know, there's some people that are not related and I still call them uncle and auntie and I'm 55 years of age because it would seem awkward calling them by their first name because you're so trained in manners. 
You know, one of the great manners that I love is when children don't get into their food without first saying grace. Or if they go to a home where grace isn't said, they don't get into the food until someone says that they're allowed to. Just manners like that. You know, they don't reach out over the table and grab things. They ask permission. See, this is about doing life with culture. This is about doing life with some decorum. This is about doing life with sensitivities. And that's what makes you a beautiful person. So respected, so honored, so much in demand. And can I just say to you, you fathers, if you train your sons to be like that, they'll be a prize. When they get married, and, and you train your daughters to be like that, they'll be a prize as well. You want your children to be trained well. You've got to instill and model and show them the way. See, this whole business that I'm talking about, about showing mercy, is, is, is all about living life switched on. Everybody say switched on. Do you live life switched on or do you live life switched off? So switched on people are aware. They, they're... They're aware of their surroundings. They're aware of who they are and they're aware of their impact upon others. Switched on. So you're self-aware, but not only self-aware, you're aware of how does my behavior affect the people around me? So can I, can I just say to you that, that again, you know, I'm, I'm having to learn this in my latter years of life because in my early years, I just thought that if, if you just, you know, are aggressive in your driving, you'll actually get your destination faster. I found out now that if I'm polite in my driving, I still get there at the same time. Yeah, but, 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 but you know, they, they, they're wanting to push in. Yeah, let them in. It's not the end of the world if someone gets in front of you. Oh, yes, it is. They've got one up on me. Maybe you need someone to get one up on you to teach you a bit of humility. Now, I'm just saying here that I'm not perfect in that all the time. But I've learned now that there's so many people that know me and I don't know them that for me to get aggressive might be getting aggressive with one of my church people. (laughs) Or someone that's watching me on television that I don't know but they know me. So if anyone honks the horn, hello, how are you? Do you know those people? No, I don't, but they might know me. I'm just waving. Why is no skin off my nose? So let them in. Yeah, I'll let them in. Give them a wave. If someone lets me in, I give them a wave. Just give them a wave. Give them the third wave just to make sure they got the first and the second wave. See, it's it's all about being self-aware. It's all about being aware of, of the impact that you're making on the people in your world. And, and, and you know what is a beautiful thing? When someone comes in contact with you and enjoys the contact. Huh? When someone comes in your world and says, that actually maximized my world because I had contact with their world. You know, it's just a beautiful thing. Hey, hey for those of you single guys, are you ready for this? Let me give you some advice. On, on dating. The girl will always want a second date if she's had a good time in the first date. Is that profound? Huh? If the first date was boring, if the first date 
was just dreadful, the chances of the second one are very minimal. So the big question that you've got to ask is this. What will cause her to enjoy the first day? And make it about her rather than about you. So let me give you a bit of advice. If you get on Facebook while you're having a date and there's about five minutes of silence while you're checking your Facebook messages, there ain't going to be a second date, I'm telling you now. Huh? Or if you've got your computer games that you're playing on your phone while you're on a date and she's staring at the ceiling, there ain't going to be a second date. But let me tell you, if you've made a laugh and she's, she's just laughed and she's, you, you've told her some funny stories and she's laughed rather than embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. But she's <laughs> polite. <laughs> kind of back away slowly. And, uh, and when you phone up for the second date, she's going to have an appointment with a hairdresser. She's going to be taking a shower. She's going to be <laughs> just running down the road as far as possible. So Because because you just got to be self-aware that it's not about you, it's about others. And, and it's about just making them feel well. But then, you know, the flip side of it is where you can just go so over the top that you swamp them. Yeah. The, classic, the classic cartoon in this, when I was a kid, there was a cartoon called Pepe Le Pew. <laughs> and Pepe Le Pew, he forgot that he was a skunk. And he fell in love with the pussycat. And so wherever he goes, he's just swamping the pussycat and he's trying to hug her and the pussycat's backing away and it's like, ah, oh, too much, too much. So, so there's extremes where there's not enough and there's too much. And there's just, that's called being self-aware. It's just getting some EQ where you're aware of what you're doing and what's happening so that when you leave their presence, they want more rather than too much or not enough. Are you, are you getting this? Being, being self-aware. Just this, this whole business of thinking of others and how can I make them happy? What can I do to make... How can I make this experience an enjoyable experience? And so I try to do the same with you guys when you come to church. I want to make your experience here an enjoyable experience rather than a boring experience. And, and so that's why I get animated because I want to draw you into the stories, you know. I just want to make you feel it's just you and me in here together and we're having a great chat. And I'm imparting some wisdom for you that you can use when you go home. And if you leave better than the way you come, then you'll want to come back again. But if you're just sitting there, Oh, that reminds me, I've got five minutes to go and it's all over. <laughs> Can you understand what I'm saying when you love mercy, when you love kindness and just this forgiveness and, and just don't, don't get bitter because bitterness will just, it'll make you sour. You know, because life, life will throw stuff at you. There's no question about it. But you can either go through life just putting all the stuff that life throws at you into your pockets and just you're carrying it. And you just remember every negative word that anybody's ever said to you and you stick it in your pocket and you're just carrying it with you. After a little while, you're, you're walking pretty heavy because you've got it in your belt, you've got it in your pants, you've got it everywhere, all this junk and rubbish. 
But you know what happens with it? Give it a little time, it starts to stink. And so then you're not only carrying the weight of it, you're carrying the stink of it. And so you put the makeup on, you put the aftershave, you try to cover the stink, but you know the aftershave wears off and the stink keeps stinking. So you've got to be careful that you don't take yesterday's hurts into today's relationships. Just leave yesterday's hurts where they belong. Yeah, but he did this to me, but she did that to me. Leave it where it happened. Move on. Because don't let every single new relationship be infected with the infections from past. Yeah, but but they might be the same. Maybe they're not the same. Don't judge them before they've been given an opportunity to show who they really are. And so that's what mercy is. Just forgive, 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 let it go. And then finally, walk humbly with your God. Do justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. This walking humbly with your God is the commitment to the journey. I started a journey with God when I was a little kid and it still is going on today. But you know what? I hope that I haven't stagnated on the journey. Because how many of you know that there are seasons in life where your journey goes fast? And, and it's because you're hungry. It's because you're, you're, you're motivated. And so you want to grow. But then a season can come where you stop growing. And what Micah says, come on, walk humbly with your God. Don't, don't let arrogance, don't let unforgiveness, don't let unresolved issues stop your walk. Because humility basically says, God, whatever you want, I'm willing to do. Whatever you want of me, I'm willing to do. Just this humble attitude. Just this humble attitude so that your journey continues. I, I want to be further ahead this year than I was last year. I want you to see in my life this year more progress than you saw last year. I don't want to go backwards. I want to go forwards. I want when you come to hear fresh messages, new messages that have been birthed in the kitchen of God where we work together and we're making fresh bread together so that you can be fed fresh bread from heaven. I I want to be talking about where I am in my relationship with God so that you can analyze and see John's moving forward. And I want you to be moving forward all the time. going from, And that's what it means to walk humbly with God. So, some people actually go backwards. How many of you know people that have gone backwards and you look at them and you say, well, you're further ahead. You know why they've gone backwards? Because they've let, they've let something negative enter into their lives. That's why they go backwards. So what are you going to do? Close the door to the negative. Open the door to the positive. Don't, don't be a magnet for negative stuff. Be a magnet for positive stuff. The only way you can do that is to walk humbly with God and say, God, that's what I want. That's, that's my passion. My passion is for you. My passion is for the things of God. I want to move forward. I want to be the best man that I can possibly be. I want to be the best husband that I can possibly be. I want to be the best father that I can possibly be. I want to be the best friend that I can be, the best employer. I want to be the best God that I can possibly be. So help me. And you humble yourself and address whatever God gives you to address. I'm telling you, when you can do justly, love mercy, walk humbly, 
with your God, then you will fulfill your God potential and you will be a person of valor. The people around you will rejoice that you're their friend, that you're in a relationship with because there's something beautiful about people that do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with their God. Let's bow heads. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 